Well, I have a surprise uh, and a bit of a fun going on around me. Uh, there's a group of students. I'm here at the Chelsea Physics Garden, and this group of students has been kneeling alongside this long, rectangular, shallow pool catching tadpoles for probably the last 10 minutes and very much enjoying themselves. And this is part of their class. This is part of their education. There seems to be a tray without a group. Whose group is this? So why are you not here? Let's have the edges of the See you. He's having a garden. Looks a bit of that guy. That's really cool. He makes a shell out of like other Random stuff. Cake. Look, there's still a social event going on here. <laughs> a social event amongst the tadpoles. Actually, I'm not filming right now, boys. I'm just taping your voices. So tell me what you think about being out here today. Were you excited to come? Yeah. Was it what you expected? Uh, well, I didn't think that we were going to do the pond experiment. It was really fun. We've got so many tadpoles though. It's a tadpole social event in the top right corner. We've got about 100,000 I think the bottom left actually. It seems that this is downtown left and that's up to the right. Uh, so how far along in their life cycle are these tadpoles? I have no idea. They're, I think they're like at the 10 days old. At the beginning? Yeah. No, some of them are bigger than others. The like, there's really some here that are really big, and that guy's really small. And there is, and the, but that, that's just maybe because of some of them got better. So what else have you got in there besides tadpoles? Uh, we've got a snail. You've got what? Two snails and a caddisfly. And one leech, which has gone somewhere. Where did the leech? No, we never I've got, got it. No, Sion took the leech. Oh, we've got this. Oh, yeah. That's water boat. No, that was the that was a pond skater. No, they're water boat. Yeah, they're called water boat. <laughs> no, look, look. It's a pond skater. Oh yeah, it's a pond skater. Oh wait. Yeah, it's a pond skater. So do you think it goes underwater? Look what's he doing. He's like washing himself. <laughs> So do you, are you able to get out of the classroom and visit places like this very often? Um, um, not very often, but, um, but when we do, it's quite fun. Yeah, so after our exam, we're going to be going to Shropshire. And what's that? It's Shropshire. It's somewhere in England. Basically, you just like, do activities there. Uh -huh. And it, um, it's like, do you know PGL? I don't. Um, well, it's basically a camp where a whole, uh, like one year group goes there, and then everyone just the, and then the, you do activities every comes out in the water. So what do you prefer, reading, learning from a book, or coming out here? Uh, coming out here. Coming out here. What's your name? Adrian. Adrian, nice to meet you. I'm Anne. And your name? Uh, I'm Kian. Kian. And this is Jack. I'm Jack. Jack. Jack's tiny head and he gets I found him. I found the, the lunch. Oh, you did? Yeah. Let's get him to suck our blood out. Are any of you interested in the environment? Yes. Yeah. In what way? 
Um, it's an, a thing we need to preserve, and by doing stuff like this and studying it, it will be easier to preserve it, knowing what you're trying to preserve. Because a lot of the time it's easy to think of um, things you would find in the water, like these snails and tadpoles, and it's just stuff that is quite easy to get rid of, but if um, you look at it like this, it's actually kind of different. It's not in the text, but when it's described, it's like, uh, like this, it's kind of cool. And also, because when you read in the books, it's more, it's more like, oh yeah, it's more but, yeah, and you don't really believe their actual real life things. If you're looking so you don't at do it, much it's kind of save them. It's more like that. Song. When you see them, you realize they're actual things. And yeah. Unless, unless it's an evil imposter trying to. It's like yeah, it's like it's like the book, the textbook is more technical, whereas actually seeing it is more. No, you can't. Um, I don't know Can you post? So does this make you? Uh, does this make you feel more? Do you think these things are at risk? Um, not, not necessarily really. the tadpoles. Yeah, because they have, well, they multiply really quick, so they will And, um, yeah, so in a year, these dudes will probably be laying their own eggs. Correct. But stuff like this, there's not very many of these. Yeah, that only means that they're just not very many in the pods. They're more endangered, and um, the tadpoles trying to rip. Yeah, but I think the pond isn't really in danger. Pond animals aren't really in danger of being um, no one harmed because no, um, no one because pond, like ponds are kind of isolated, so there's no real reason to do stuff around the pond. It's more like the ocean because it's all connected. So, what do you feel as you get older and grow up? What are what are you going to do to help preserve things like this? Do you know yet? Um, no. Well, probably I probably won't be able to do much, but like what I can, like trying to find well-sourced food or. Um, not using too much water, or sometimes paper that people make it comes from the Amazon and that destroys habitats. So, um, there are like things that show that it, it doesn't do that. So. Do any of you have gardens at home? Yeah, uh, yeah, but mine is more like for. It's not, yeah. More decoration. We use it that much. Do you grow food at all? Yeah. In your garden? Uh, yeah, I do. I don't really, but I'd like to, but it takes a lot of like, care. I have to always go. Every you day. grow raspberries? Yeah, we got two raspberry plants. One that grew from the first one, which we had last year. How about mint? Mint, okay. Oh, this is this is gonna grow so good because it's got like little thin. Yeah. Well, the 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 tail is extending. So, what age are all of you? Uh, we're, uh, I'm eleven. I'm eleven. So you're all in the same class. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's get counting. Thank you for talking to me. I hope to talk to your teacher and send them, give them the information so you can listen when it gets on iTunes. Set up is we've got two temperature sensors. 
so there is a temperature sensor which is more or less at the bottom of the pond where you didn't really sort of like um, sample, which says, Dara, I love the way Dara's looking at his book. Uh, yes, Jan? 13.5. 13.5, it's not in your book, it's on the machine, okay? So 13.5 degrees. Yes. Is it all right to speak to you now? Yeah. Hey, Michael, my name's Anne. So nice to meet you. I'm with Growing Trends. Growing Trends. Yes, we're on uh, iTunes, so you can listen to it. And we interview people from all over the world uh, about anything having to do with horticulture. So also the environment, uh, alternative energy, waste management, water preservation, all of that. So tell me what's going on here today. Well, this is one of... Um, many school groups that we have throughout the year. We have about 100 school visits and this is a secondary school so they're learning, they're about 13 years old and they're just learning about ecology, spending the day here to find out about aspects of this amazing subject. So they're sampling pond life at the moment, they've been finding out about food webs, habitats, plant adaptations and um, terrestrial, um, terrestrial ecology as well. And so they're with us from 10 o'clock until 3.30. So it's quite a long day, but they've got exams coming up and they've got to know this stuff. But here they're getting actual practical um, practical examples of um, sampling real-life creatures and seeing feeding interruptions in the flesh, literally. So, um, and we have schools from, from all, all over London. Some of them, are, yesterday we had 110 five-year-olds doing the same subject, but in a different language, I suppose, in a different, different way. Um, and some of it's art, some of it's about science, some of it's a mix. So using the garden as inspiration for all the subjects possible. So what do you hope the children leave with today? Just an understanding, just an enjoyment of nature and an understanding of ecology, a little bit, yeah. How long have you been doing this? 20 years at the garden, yeah. So it's a very interesting place, always learning more. So it's a living, it's a living museum, a living encyclopedia for animals, plants, fungi and everything. Tell me a little bit about the Chelsea Physics Garden. Well, it's 342 years old this year. It was set up originally in 1673 by the Worshipful Society of Apothecaries as a teaching garden. Um, and its, its own overall mission nowadays is to teach people about useful plants, including medicines, plants in our lives, in other ways, um, foods, um, textiles, building materials and things like that. But we've also a visitor attraction and um, got things that are just plain, just generally pretty, uh, but also most of it's with a, with a scientific um, or ethnobotanical slant. Yeah. How many volunteers or workers do you have here? There's about 17 staff and then there's about 70 volunteers and the volunteers do a lot of guided, guided tours for members of the public and also um, helping out the education department and volunteer gardeners. So it's quite a lot of us overall. Well, as you're looking forward uh, here at the physics garden, is there any particular goals that you have for the future? Is it just basically to keep maintaining what you have? Or? Yeah, it's the it's, it goals are to link people with with plants and link people with nature. That's that's the overall goal. Um, yeah, that's the mission. That's the mission. To connect people with plants. Yeah. Say that again, Michael. They're going to do what? Oh, the students are going to go back to the classroom now, and they'll be constructing food webs based on all the different creatures that were catching in the pond. So, 
to really reinforce the feeding relationships in the pond. And we're stopped at a small pond. And what yes. were you saying? There's bits so, and pieces of cast stone here? Yes, so this is this is our, um, our, our pond rockery, and it's one of the earliest, it was built in the late 1770s, and um, it's one of the oldest rock gardens in Europe. And in the center there's um, an island with, with American pitcher plants or saracenias, carnivorous plants, and some ancient clamshells decorating it. And then around the outside, lots of Mediterranean plants. And then the rocks themselves are a mixture of um, basalt from, from Iceland and fused bricks and chunks of flint. And then there's a few little bits dotted around of the Tower of London, which in the 1770s was having a bit of a makeover and they, uh, or a refurbishment and they, um, they, they borrowed, they stole some bits of the stone. So it adds to the, the wackiness of it a little bit. The, it, yeah, so there we are. So it's a very ancient rockery with some beautiful flowering plants around it. Yes. So some of the plants, because our, this is on iTunes, but it's not uh, a video of any kind. Mm. We, we can't, we don't have a visual. So I'm mm. trying to get people to understand. So you've got a marvelous stand of, is that Hidcote lavender over there? Mm. Yeah. Um, some kind of lavender. Some, uh, um, some echiums, which are echium plants, echium weld by pretii from the Canary Islands, which is in the same family as borage and um, um, borage and comfrey, and it's a very tall flower spike, uh, flowers every two years, and lots oh. of Mediterranean plants. There's some peonies, there's some pansies in pots, there's some um, cotton lavender or santalina. And then on one side, there's a plant that's extinct in the wild. And one of the things that botanical gardens around the world, of which there are thousands, can do is really highlight the plight of plants and um, the cons conservation issues. Um, so yeah, we've got some quite rare and endangered plants and also some that no longer exist in the wild. So who determines when a plant bec is becoming endangered? I think that's the IUCN Red Data Book, which is kind of a, a, a kind of a list of, of rare, endangered, um, and, and extinct plants. It's sort of an international panel mm. on um, endangeredness. Mm. You know, I've thought of that in terms of animal life, but mm. I never, never occurred to me that, of course, that would be true of the plant mm. kingdom as well. Mm. So, what is the plant here that you have? That's I don't know its name offhand, but I know where it is, just around the corner. Let's go look. It's so aromatic. Everything, as I walk around this garden, I keep smelling different things. It's got this kind of waft of curry, haven't we? Is that what plants. that is? Yes. It's, it's from oh. the Helichrysum. Yeah, I was going to say, we just walked past that you one, that's little, what it is. It smells like walking past the Okay, so which one is So this is, is Lishmake, Lissimachia minoricensis. Of that agia see it's got lichen the signs being there so long it's got lichen growing in the letters yes, it, it says this plant is now extinct in the wild botanic gardens have helped to preserve it but attempts to reintroduce it to native habitat have so far been unsuccessful and it's from spain it's growing a bit too close to the path i think for the real so yeah and then around this side we have the uh, 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 replica head of someone called joseph banks who brought back a lot of this rock um and in, hiding behind here. But Joseph oh. Banks was a great helper to the garden in the 1770s and um, he, he, he travelled on the voyage of the Endeavour with Captain Cook um, and brought back all sorts of amazing plants from Australasia. So the, yeah, this rockery is quite, um, 
quite a, quite a beautiful feature. And the pond on the top of it is full of life, just as the one further down the garden is. Now, it looks like the water's completely still, so um, tell me about the life cycle of this pond. Well, this one's much less, this is not used by school visits at all, so it gets, doesn't get any, any, um, any disturbance with children's nets. So it, it doesn't, however, need maintenance, um, so gardeners get in there with the, with the long waders and um, maintain it and kind of keep plants in check, make sure they're not getting too carried away. Are there fish in there as well? No fish. No, none of our ponds are fishing. It would be a, it would be a, it would be a bad mistake because they eat everything else. So oh, there'd see. be there'd be no, no not much diversity. So about how deep is this? Uh, it's about it's about my waist deep. So average average adults waist deep. Yeah, something like that. So lovely, and it's just right across from the statue. So it's more or less in the center of the garden. Yeah, more or less. Was that originally? Has it always been part of the garden? What they now are the tan whatever they call it, the the tangerine. The place where all the food is served. Oh, that's um, the cafe, yes. uh, the Tangerine Dream Cafe. Mm -hmm. They've been with us for about ten years. Okay. As as caterers. Yeah. So I see a lot of supportive buildings around mm. the property. So mm. are you mm. growing a lot of, um, you know, the seedlings that I see planted everywhere? You're raising everything from seed and. A lot of stuffs from seed. Sometimes it's live plants or adult plots, plants brought in from nurseries. Uh, there's a lot of seeds. A lot of seeds are, 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 are sown in in house, um, which gives things more strength, but also saves a lot of money. Um, and we also sell quite a lot of the seed in the shop. And there's a big. For the last three hundred years, there's been a um, an active seed swapping exchange um, system with other botanic gardens around the world. Wonderful. Um, yeah. So you're involved not only in preservation, but in, in a way in research as well. In a way, yeah. There's not huge amounts of research going on here, but there's a little, yeah. There are various different things. Educational research, medicinal research, um, some of the historical archives about people who worked here and people stories around the First World War and what happened to the gardeners during that time and all kinds of other things. Yeah, there's, there's plenty of stories. Mm -hmm. And the fact is these plants, there are 5,000 species of plants here and they can't, they can't speak, so it's up to us to tell their stories. That's very well said. <laughs> right, so I, I might have to go and teach this like in a minute, but I can show you, I want to just show you my shelf life project. Yes. That's all right with you. Yes, I mean, I'm going to turn this off now. This I'll turn this off now. Yeah, I, I wish I was here in about a, a week when so many things I see are just about to pop mm. and other things I've just missed. But it's still lovely. Did you eat at the cafe? I did. It was wonderful. Nice food. <gasps> oh, it was right. wonderful. No, we had them as our wedding cakes. That's so nice. Ah. Oh, and I love this uh, room of succulents and cacti. Also fascinating. Um, oh, yeah. So I'll just show you the collection here. It's, um... Okay, so as we are walking around, I've noticed in the beds, first of all, they look absolutely beautiful everywhere I look. You can tell there are hours and hours and hours of, of care and love given to these, all these different specimens. But I see that you've kept the soil alive. You keep it very rich. What are you dressing around these plants with? Well, the soil here, because we're on the edge of the River Thames, it's actually quite a sandy soil and it's actually quite a hungry and quite a thirsty soil. It's great for growing Mediterranean plants, we're on a nice south-facing slope, but even though we've been adding compost and other things to the soil, 
year after year, century after century, is still quite poor nutrients. So mm. every year there's a fine dressing of rotted horse manure put around onto the tops of the garden, and then also half uh, also a, a, an addition of compost from our own compost heaps, which kind of slowly reduce, uh, sorry, slowly release nutrients into the soil and also stop weeds from coming up, so they act as a, as a, as a barrier to weeds as well. Exactly. Are, do you use chemicals here at all? There are a few, certainly in the glass houses, in the tropical glass house, if you, there's a bit of spraying, but we also use something called integrated pest management, which is um, using bugs to eat the bugs that are eating the plants, so sort of like security guards to, to patrol the plants. Uh, there's a little bit of chemical spraying, but um, in the garden not as much. There's a, there's a few other methods of using beer traps using some uh, beer traps to catch slugs and snails on, on the vegetable beds and things like that. Yeah. Trying to okay. keep it as organic as possible. Yeah. Do you actually use any of these herbs and different edibles in the, uh, like in the cafe? Not here? in the cafe, no. They might use a few flowers to decorate cakes and things like that, but we'd have to dedicate a size of the three and a half acres of a garden just for the cafe if we wanted to support it 100%. Wow. So they buy in most of the food, but the, what ha- does happen with any of the produce is that the gardeners who've done all the hard work get to get first refusal on it. Uh, I sometimes, not being a gardener, I sometimes do get a chance to take some things home um, and try them. And the honey is sold in the shop from our beehives. I forgot I was going to say that. And also with some of the things, some of the herbs that grow in the garden, we use them for workshops. So we might use some of the material actually in the children's workshop to make lotions and potions and things like that. This is a bottle of red wine and this is a great plant. This is this is the wheat, pasta wheat. And this is the pasta. We've got a breakfast, a breakfast cereal bowl and I've got uh, wheat and, and maize growing there. We've got mint growing in the mouthwash. We've got tomato growing in the tomato juice. We've got wheat growing at the toaster and potatoes growing at a potato chip packet. So it's kind of, it's a way and the strawberry jam needs watering because it's very, sorry, very dry. Needs a bit of water. It's been quite hot this week. And this is a project called Shelf Life. Very good way of showing urban children where their plants come from, plants in their lives. We had a display, um, when was it? 2004, so 11 years ago now, we had a display of this at the Chelsea Flower Show. It made it look like a supermarket and worked really well. That's brilliant. That's brilliant. I'm sure for some children, the lights just go on. Mm, and some adults, you know. Urban adults forget where they plants come from or they never never quite knew what a lentil plant looked like um, because we always see lentils in a packet not in a field so it's a good it's a good education and it's a good way of upcycling materials and um, reducing what we throw away or giving these plants a second lease of life or the not the plants the packaging a second lease of life yeah that's a new meaning to the word recycle exactly exactly so our education center was opened about um, a good classroom and in, in Britain we need an indoor classroom because we are we are where we are in the world and it sometimes rain, rains uh, as it did yesterday today it happens to be quite nice and warm and uh, you know able to go out into the garden and not get soaking wet or cold but um, about about eight years, uh, 18 years ago this room was built and it was very very useful to have a dedicated teaching space but ultimately the garden is our classroom is our outdoor classroom we have a beehive on the corner here. It hasn't got any bees in it yet, but yeah. the bees will enter through the room, so you can see them through a tube in the room, and then people outside can see them as well. So just a further opportunity to show the children. Close-up experience of nature. Well, that's what teaches. Words don't teach sometimes. It's the experience exactly. that teaches. Precisely. Yeah.
Thank you, Michael. Very welcome. Very welcome. Cheers. Well, I'm finishing up my walk around this beautiful garden. I just spoke with Anna, one of the volunteers, and she's a student and has a job in a shop, and she lives here in London, but she gives one day of her week to come and volunteer here because she someday has a goal to have a farm of her own and raise goats and raise food organically, so this is her inspiration. It's a beautiful place, I totally understand it.